Thanks, Pastor Nick. Thank you, worship team. Happy New Year, everybody. It's so good to see you. I hope you had an amazing Christmas. We missed you on Christmas Eve. We were so disappointed to not be able to have our Christmas Eve services. We could have had like a, a, a family skate or something in our parking lot. Um, and then just 10 hours later, the parking lot was clear from all the rain and, and warmth. So I know we had a good turnout for our Christmas Day service for those of you who could come. So thanks for joining us there. But we are in 2023. By a show of hands, uh, who has made a New Year's resolution? Any New Year's resolutioners out there? You've made some. Not everybody. Very few people, actually. Uh, maybe you've made a resolution about fitness. Maybe you've made a resolution about financial goals, or maybe you're finally going to take that trip, or maybe you've resolved to stop procrastinating so much, but you're going to start next week, right? Um, New Year's resolutions. Um, according to one study, and by study in this case, I mean me googling New Year's resolution statistics, um, according to that flawless study, uh, very few people actually keep their New Year's resolutions. 23% of people give up their resolution in the first week. Maybe, you know, in the first few hours, 36% of people make it through the first month, the first month. 9% uh, of people report being successful in their New Year's resolutions. Only 9% of people report succeeding in their New Year's resolutions. And when you look at the, the resolutions that people report making, um, the top three resolutions have to do with physical health, lose weight, eat better, exercise more. Something about this time of year gives us some sort of psychological thought of, oh, well, you know, uh, it's a new season, it's a new start, even though it's just a, you know, turn in the calendar, another day. It's a new season, it's a new start. Uh, there's a time for self-improvement. That's the attitude people have. And then they focus on what's visible, what people see, and then also how I feel based on what my physical body is doing. It's just an interesting thing to keep in mind that so many of our resolutions have to do with our physical body. Now, I like to make goals. People like to make goals, but it, we tend to have a hard time following through on our goals. And I have a feeling that it has to do with two facts. One, New Year's resolutions are often only made on the emotional level, right? Self-confession time, the kids bring their Halloween candy home, they learn about taxes at that point, that's the time of year where I impose the dad tax, and it's an important lesson for kids to learn. Um, and so from there with Thanksgiving and then Christmas parties and all those treats, things happen. You know, you put on a little bit of extra glory, and then by the end of Christmas you can't see your toes when you look down, and so you go, I'm resolved, I need to do something about this. But you make it on an emotional level because you've made some bad decisions, you're not feeling great, so you kind of emotionally say, I got to do something. But it's not, you don't actually end up setting specific goals about how you're going to practically live it out. But the second reason I think we often don't accomplish our goals is because we often make them too individualistic. It's private and personal, it's about me, it's inward focus, and I don't actually invite my community to participate with me, I don't invite accountability into my goals, and so it's really easy for me to stop pursuing them because there's no one kind of holding me accountable to it. I think those are two of the big reasons why our New Year's resolutions fail. But instead of resolutions today, because I don't think they have a lot of power, all power to you if you're making resolutions. Instead of resolutions today, I want to do some reflecting and I want to do some reminding. 
Reminding of what has become important to us as a church over the last year and what will continue to be important to us over the next year. Today is not so much a sermon as it is a reflection and a reminder of something we've already been talking about and trying to emphasize as a church as we continue in this new season we have been on. So, um, Paul told Timothy to keep on reminding his church of important things. Keep on reminding his church of important things. So if some of the things I say today, you go, oh, I've heard this already. Good! You should have. And if there's some things I say today, you're like, I'm sick of hearing this. Good! I want you to be sick of hearing about the most important things until we as a church are so sick of it together that we're good at it. Right? That's what we want. We want to be good at the most important things. We want it to be so a core of who we are and what we do that it comes completely naturally. And then as people join our church family, it comes naturally to them as well because they just integrate into the life of who we are as a church. So here are some reminders today. I'm going to go back to a passage of scripture we read in September during our vision series, Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 to 16. You'll see it on the screen. You can open up your Bible or your device and follow along as well. Ephesians 4, 11 to 16. Paul writes to the Ephesian church, these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. So here's what I want to remind you of today. This is uh, from, a, from a sermon series we preached in September, our vision series. And as you recall, we introduced our purpose statement, which is this. It's on the screen. We are helping each other follow Jesus at home, in our city, and around the world. That's what our church is about. We're helping each other follow Jesus at home, in our city, and around the world. Someone asks you, what's your church about? Oh, we're about helping each other follow Jesus. What do you do at church? We help each other follow Jesus. Why do you participate in a church community? Well, I need help following Jesus, and I need to participate in helping other people follow Jesus. Why do you volunteer in kids' ministry? Oh, because kids need help following Jesus. And according to Jesus, kids actually help us learn how to follow Jesus. So it's good for me to be in that environment. That's what we are about as a church. One maybe critical feedback uh, you could give to a statement like this is, doesn't this seem insular? Doesn't this seem just about what we're doing within our community? Shouldn't there be something more outwardly focused? Like, what about mission? Shouldn't there be some element of mission in this? Shouldn't there be some element of evangelism and outreach in this purpose statement? Well, let me ask you, why do we do mission? Why do we do evangelism? Why do we do outreach? Because Jesus taught us to. He modeled it for us, and he commanded us to do it. So when we're doing those things, what are we doing? We're following Jesus. And so we 
Again, we help each other follow Jesus as we spur each other on toward mission and evangelism and outreach. It's all part of being a follower of Jesus. We are a group of followers of Jesus who are helping other people follow Jesus as well. That is what our church is all about. And until you are sick of me telling you that, I won't stop saying it, and then I'll keep saying it even afterwards, because that's what we are going to be about. So this passage from the book of Ephesians outlines this so well. It references the leadership of the church. It names different leadership gifts, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. It doesn't say that the leaders of the church are supposed to do all the work of ministry. It says the leaders of the church are supposed to equip all the members of the church to do the work of the ministry. So it's not about leaders doing the work and everybody else watching or everybody else just, you know, paying money so the leaders can do their job. That's not what the church is. The church is a body. Every part has a function. All of us participate in different ways. Some parts of the body stand on stage and talk at you. Other parts of the body do different things. But the responsibility of the leaders is to equip the people to do the work so that the whole body is functioning, every part doing what it can to contribute to the overall health of the body. So I love how it's, it's spoken in, in verse 16. Uh, I like the New Living Translation as it relates, relates to the language of our purpose statement. Paul writes, Christ makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow. It helps the other parts grow. So that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. When you and I are all participating, when you and I are all doing our part, we're helping each other grow and become mature and healthy and full of Christ's love. We're helping each other follow Jesus. That's what I want us to wrap our minds around as a church. That's what we're doing here. We often have the mindset uh, when we come to church like, oh, it's church today. Okay, let's go, you know. Do we have time? Oh, I stayed up so late celebrating the new year. Oh, I'm on the schedule to help. Is there any way I can get out of this? Right? We sometimes have that mindset like, like we're doing a chore. And if we turn our mindset around and, and, and ask ourselves, how can I help someone follow Jesus today? It's such a different perspective, isn't it? Like, I'm, I'm, I'm going to church. How can I help someone follow Jesus today? Whether I'm on the schedule to serve or whether I'm just hanging out in the lobby, can I find someone that maybe needs a prayer? Can I find someone that just needs an encouragement? Can I find someone I can just ask them how they're doing and genuinely listen to them? Is there, is there a scripture God has been speaking to me about that I can share with someone else? How can I help someone follow Jesus today? When I'm going to my connect group, when I'm, when I'm going to work, how can I help someone follow Jesus today? At any time, at any place, that's a question we can ask ourselves to be the church wherever we are, whenever we are. How can I help someone follow Jesus today? That's a guiding principle for us in, in, as leaders of the church when we develop ministries here at APA. If we're going to start this ministry, how will it help people follow Jesus? Will it actually help, or is it just something that, you know, we want to do for fun? If we're going to start this ministry, is this just about being a social club? Because that's not what we are as a church. We're not a social club. We're not a special interest group. We're not a fan club. We're not a political organization. We are the body of Christ. We are disciples who make disciples. We are followers of Jesus who help other people follow Jesus. 
So if we're going to design ministry, if we're going to be active as a church, that's going to be the guiding principle for what we develop and create as a church. So if we had a New Year's resolution in 2023, it would be along these lines to continue to work towards strengthening our ability as a community of Christ followers to help each other follow Jesus at home, in our city, and around the world. So let me, uh, I don't always get an opportunity to do something like this, so let me just share three things we're up to in the near future. And sometimes we give announcements, we say, hey, this is happening, this is happening, we want you to participate in this, join in on this, but we don't always get to spend a time to say, this is how it connects to our vision. This is how it connects to our purpose as a church and what we're trying to do. So let me just highlight three things. There's lots that is coming up. Let me highlight three things that we're doing in the near future and help you see how these connect to our purpose of helping each other follow Jesus. So number one, this month, this month is a prayer emphasis month. As we get going next week with our teaching series, we're starting a series on prayer because one of the best ways we can help each other follow Jesus is to teach and practice spiritual disciplines. Prayer, scripture, fasting, community, Sabbath, the spiritual rhythms that Jesus taught for us, modeled for us, and commanded us to pursue. These are the rhythms of Christ which lead us to experience his grace and his goodness and abide in his presence on a daily basis. The reality is the world around us is going to try to push us into a rhythm. It's going to try to push us into a rhythm of habits and attitudes and ways of thinking and ways of living life. And if we're not intentional about practicing the rhythms of Jesus, we'll slip into the rhythms of the world and we'll bear the fruit of the rhythms of the world. Anxiety, lack of peace, discord, division. But when we follow the practices and the rhythms of Jesus, what happens is we bear the fruit of the rhythms of Jesus. We bear the fruit of the Spirit, of love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, gentleness, kindness, self-control. And so we want to be very intentional as a church to continue to pursue the rhythms, the practices, the spiritual disciplines of Jesus. Resolutions are great. I don't want anyone to feel negative about resolutions today, but spiritual rhythms are better. Because a resolution is about setting a goal that's going to require my willpower in order to accomplish it. But following the rhythms of Jesus is an opportunity to invite the power of the Holy Spirit into my life to work the way he can only work, to produce fruit that only he can produce in my life. Resolutions are great, but spiritual rhythms are better. If I struggle with self-control related to Christmas treats, which, confession alert, I did this year. I can try to develop self-control by really buckling down and putting notes on my fridge or hiding the cookies somewhere where I can't see them. I can really try in my willpower to gain self-control, or I can submit myself to the work of the Spirit in my life. I can spend time abiding in Christ and in His presence and invite the Holy Spirit into my heart and into my, into my world so that by his power I can develop the spiritual fruit of self-control in my life. So one of the really strategic things that we're doing, particularly in teaching throughout the year, 
is at least twice a year, we will set aside a teaching series on some sort of spiritual discipline. And so we're starting the year off with prayer. We'll probably do something related to prayer every year because I think it's just so foundational. Last year, we did a prayer series in the spring, and we connected it to our, community, our Connect Groups launch. And we, in, the, in the fall, we did a series on Scripture, um, just trying to develop those spiritual practices in our life. We also put lots of resources on our website, apaonline.ca slash followjesus, and links to sermon series, teaching, tips on how to develop a rhythm in your own life are all on there. And as we do more teaching, it all gets put on there as well as external resources uh, to things like the Bible Project or Practicing the Way or other great resources outside our church to help you develop your own rhythm of life, rhythm of spiritual disciplines in your life. So this upcoming series, I'm excited for a couple reasons. Number one, we've got um, some great guest speakers from within our church. And uh, these are people who have been praying for a long time and who have experienced the fruit of consistent, persistent prayer. And so they're not only going to be able to share wisdom about how to implement prayer in your own life and share great biblical understanding of prayer, but also be able to share with you how prayer has impacted their own life to bring inspiration to you as well as instruction for your own time in prayer. Um, but secondly, I'm excited because we're hosting, if I've done my math right, we're hosting a 41-hour prayer room. And what I mean by that is we're going to have our conference room, which is where we have our weekly prayer meetings and our pre-service prayer. We're going to have that open where we'll have people sign up for a one-hour time slot at a time. And we're going to have it open from, uh, it's a Friday, I think it's the 27th. Uh, we're going to have it open from the end of the workday at 5 o'clock. It'll go all night Friday, all through Saturday, all night Saturday, and then it'll close 10 a.m. Sunday morning when our service starts. And so what you can do, you'll see this in the coming weeks, you'll be able to sign up for that one-hour time slot. I encourage you to sign up with a couple friends. Um, the overnight time slots, it'll be mandatory to sign up with a couple of friends, and we'll have a system where one person comes in to relieve the other, and you will have a 41-hour prayer meeting going on that'll finish with our Sunday morning service on January 29th. It's going to be awesome. So I hope that you will participate in that. One of the reasons we're going to have guest speakers in this series is because you're helping me follow Jesus uh, while I help some others follow Jesus for a couple weeks in January. Um, uh, I haven't made a public announcement about this yet, but myself and my dad were taking a missions trip to Burundi in Africa for a couple weeks here in January. Uh, we're leaving this Thursday, uh, so you won't see us for the next couple weeks. Um, but many of you know Elmer and Sherry Comont here in the fourth row in this section. They've been missionaries in Africa for many years, planted churches, amazing work. Um, their church in Bujumbura, Burundi, um, it's called Christian Life Ministries, and they've invited uh, myself and my dad to go minister there for a couple weeks, and we're really, really excited. We're leaving in four days, um, so we ask for your prayers. We're teaching at a prayer conference and at a leadership retreat. So while you're doing a prayer emphasis here, we're going to be doing a prayer emphasis there. We're going to be helping each other follow Jesus here. We're going to be helping each other follow Jesus around the world. We're going to pray together for the month of January because we believe it's so fundamental to what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Okay, number two thing that I want to share. Uh, a few weeks after I get back, we're going to be jumping into um, a teaching series in the book of Genesis. I love the book of Genesis. 
Uh, we're going to be focusing specifically on Genesis chapters 1 to 11. Some people have called Genesis 1 to 11 the first half of the Bible. You might say, isn't the first half the Old Testament? Well, they call Genesis 1 to 11 the first half of the Bible because it introduces all the things for which we need Genesis 12 through Revelation 22. We have creation and the fall, and we have all the themes of Scripture and the coming of the Messiah introduced in those first 11 chapters of Genesis, and then they're all flushed out and built upon throughout the rest of the Bible. So I'm really excited because what we're doing is, is we're taking what, what Daryl Johnson calls the story that makes sense of every other story. The story that makes sense of your story, the story that makes sense of the story of the world, the story that makes sense of why the world is in the shape it's in today and what the hope of the world is. We learn about that in Genesis chapter 1 to 11. And so here's another reminder, and this is why we're doing a series in that, that chunk of Scripture. Last January, we did a teaching series called Spiritual Formation Primer. And in that, I encourage you to go back and re-listen, or if you're new to our church since then, go listen to that. It's so foundational for us. In that, I shared uh, what, what we believe is how our lives are shaped by God's Spirit. So here's a statement we shared multiple times in that series. Our lives are shaped by the stories we believe, the habits we've formed, and the relationships we foster. These are driven and guided by the Holy Spirit over time and through life's variety of circumstances. Okay, I'll repeat it. Our lives are shaped by the stories we believe, the habits we've formed, and the relationships we foster, driven and guided by the Holy Spirit over time and through life's variety of circumstances. And so consider the strategic way we're trying to help each other follow Jesus. We're trying to help you understand and believe the story. Our lives are shaped by the stories we believe. We're trying to help you understand the story that makes sense of every other story. And by doing a prayer emphasis in the month of January, we're trying to help you to develop the most important habits, right? The stories you believe, the habits you form. And we're doing all this in community through our Sunday services, our weekly uh, connect groups for discussion, church fellowship, all the activities we do. We're fostering all of this in community because our lives are shaped by stories, habits, and relationships. And through all of it, we invite the power and presence of the Holy Spirit into the process because he's the one who guides it. He's the one who drives that transformation. And with consistency... And perseverance in these things, we see our lives shaped by the power not of our wills, but by the power of God's Holy Spirit. Our lives are shaped by the stories we believe, the habits we've formed, and the relationships, relationships we foster. These are driven and guided by the Holy Spirit over time and through life's variety of circumstances. This is how we're trying to help each other follow Jesus. The last thing I want to share with you that's coming up is we are starting a grief share group. Uh, some of you have probably heard of the grief share material. It's a support ministry for those who've experienced the death of someone close to them. It has weekly videos, a workbook, group discussions. Through all this, grief share, grief share helps you move toward healing and rebuilding your life after loss. And here's why. Uh, many of you have gone through experiences in your life that have just upset the world. You know, you're on a trajectory, 
going through, you know, setting goals, have a vision for your family, for your life, and you lose someone, whether expected or unexpected, you lose someone, and, and it just upsets everything. And, and here Pastor Dave comes up and says, everybody needs to participate. The whole church needs to function. Everybody needs to, to do their role. And you're saying, I can't. Like, I'm stuck. Like, I, I can't even really help myself, let alone help others follow Jesus. What am I supposed to do? And here's the truth. Sometimes what it means to follow Jesus is to follow Jesus through the valley of the shadow of death. And so we as a church want to help you through that valley to continue to follow Jesus, to start to rebuild, to start to experience healing. And so that's one of the reasons why we're starting this ministry, to help you walk through that tough valley with Jesus and with others who've been there before. That's how it's designed. So hear more about that in the coming weeks if that's something um, that hits home for you. So like I said, there's more we're working on for the new year, but let's go back to Paul in Ephesians. And um, I want to remind you of another image you might be sick of, okay? The passage Paul talked about, he's talking about an active body. The church is the body of Christ, and he's saying that body needs to be active if that body wants to be healthy. Like with physical health, an active body is a healthier body. The principle is true both for the physical body and for the church body. As every part of the body participates, it brings health to the whole. He says, as each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. So here's the reminder, and I've used this image multiple times because I think it's helpful If you don't like it, I'm sorry. I've got the microphone. So, (laughs) I'm just kidding. I love you too much. Uh, But here's here's the image. And and I'm going to keep this image in front of us, and I think it will be important and helpful for us. And and one of the things that I've shared with you is, on the side, I do a little bit of fitness coaching. And there's so many amazing parallels between uh, fitness coaching and the health of a church body. And so when, when we coach people, we do three things. We practice, we train, and we test. We practice, we train, and we test. Practice. Practice is about learning new skills and improving those skills. Okay? So if you're talking about fitness, maybe you'll learn a really simple skill like a squat, right? Squat. Simple. Or if you're more advanced, you might learn an advanced skill like a handstand push-up, which I'm not going to demonstrate on stage today. Okay? So when you do those things, you you recognize that every movement has certain uh, technique to it, certain skills that need to be developed so that the movement can be proficient, it can be efficient, and actually produce the results you're looking for. So when you practice, you're developing a skill, and you're, you're improving on that skill. But then the second part is training, and practice and training are different. Practice is about learning and improving skills, but training is about increasing your capacity in those skills. So if you want to go back to the squat, you learn the skills associated with that, but to train, you now try to increase your capacity so that as you train, you can actually lift more weight, do more repetitions, and so you're training to be better and stronger and have a greater capacity in that skill. You can move from 100 pounds to 150 pounds or from five repetitions to 10 repetitions. Practice is about learning a skill. Training is about increasing your capacity. But then there's testing. Testing is a whole other thing. 
At my gym, every 12 weeks, we schedule a whole week for testing, where we take a bunch of the foundational movements and we test our capacity in them. So with the squat, how much can I squat? How many reps can I do at a certain weight? We figure out what our absolute max capacity is, we write it down, and then we compare it to our score from 12 weeks ago. Testing measures growth. When I measure my progress, I see how far I've come from last time it was measured. But I can only know my capacity by testing it. I might feel stronger, but I don't know until I test it. So what does this have to do with a healthy church body? We do the same things. We do the exact same things to grow. We practice. We need practice. We all need to learn skills and improve our skills. We need to learn how to pray. We need to learn how to read the Bible. We need to learn how to love each other. We need to learn how to serve. We need to learn what it means to be the church and how to live sacrificial lives and how to live in community with one another. Those are skills that need to be learned. It's one of the reasons why we do our kids' takeover Sunday because our kids need to learn the skills of doing ministry. And we partner them with people in the church who are good at those ministries. So we have kids in the sound booth. We're doing this, I believe it's the last Sunday of the month uh, of January. We have kids in the sound booth with our techs up there. We have kids with our welcome team. We have kids on stage singing, all kinds of different ways that kids get to learn from others in the church who are skilled in those, um, in those ministries so that they can learn the skills of ministry themselves. But then we need to train those skills. A lot of Christians, I find this, a lot of us stop at practice. A lot of us, we learn the basics of the faith, we learn the basics of spiritual disciplines, and then we stop. I know how to pray. I know how to read my Bible. I know how to, I know, I grew up in church. I know what it's all about. You might have the skills, but have you increased your capacity? Are you actually training? Paul says in 1 Corinthians 9, 27, I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. Discipline, training. We need to train ourselves to increase our capacity as followers of Jesus, to increase our capacity in prayer, to the place of perseverance. We need to increase our capacity for service, to serve sacrificially like Jesus, to increase our capacity for love, to love like Jesus did, who laid himself down for us. We need to increase our capacity for discipline. We train in prayer to increase our capacity to rely on God and to persevere. We train in Scripture to increase our capacity to see the world as God sees it, so that when we're out in the world, we have his eyes, his vision, his heart. We train in generosity to increase our capacity to rely on the Lord's provision. We train in community building to increase our capacity to love one another. And why do we need to do this? Why do we need to move from practice to training? Because the test will come. It will. You will be tested. Testing week always comes. At the gym, like I said, we program it every, every 12 weeks. So we know it's coming. We prepare for it. And it's interesting because uh, our, our, our gym members actually get excited about it because they're looking forward to testing how their training has gone. And I was thinking about that because when you read the biblical authors, they actually talk about finding joy in the test. 
James says in chapter 1, verse 2 to 4, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. James is saying there's joy in the test because you see how you're developing, you're growing, you're maturing, you're becoming more complete as a follower of Jesus and as a human being. And when the biblical authors talk about tests, like we don't want to get too bogged down in the details, but there's multiple different sources of tests. Sometimes a test is is temptation you face. Sometimes it's Satan doing his thing. Sometimes uh, God will lovingly bring test and discipline into your life. Sometimes tests are just because the world is being a jerk. But regardless of the source of the test, the biblical authors say tests and difficult life circumstances should be, sorry, difficult life circumstances should always be seen as a test. Okay, something's happening. I can't control it. But how will I respond to it? How's my training been going? Have I been prepared for this test? Because the test will come. 1 Peter 1, 6-7, this, there is wonderful joy ahead, even though you must endure many trials for a little while. These trials show that your faith is genuine. It is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold, though your faith is far more precious than gold. See, the only people during testing week at the gym who aren't excited about testing week are the ones who know they haven't been training. And they know it's not going to go well. This is a tough mindset. It's, it's something that it's hard to wrap your mind around, but the biblical authors are saying there's joy in the difficulty. Because if the training has gone well, you'll see how your endurance has grown. We practice and we train because the test will come. We don't know when it'll come. We don't know what it'll be. It might be a diagnosis. It might be a rebellious child. It might be a relationship challenge. It might be a financial crisis. It might be a global pandemic. It might be political instability. And sometimes I think if we've trained well, we won't even notice the test came because our capacity was so high, we got through it no problem. But if we haven't trained well, we might be crushed by the test but the test will come. Let me finish with this, and then I want to spend some time in prayer. Will we be ready for the test? I don't know what tests 2023 will bring, other than to say there will be tests in 2023 will we be able to receive them with joy and see our endurance flourish through them? But in all of it, I want to remind you that we have nothing to fear. Jesus is on his throne. The tomb is empty. The throne is occupied. We worship and serve a living Savior. Our Lord Jesus Christ has achieved the victory. He's given us the Holy Spirit whose power is always with us. We don't need to rely on willpower because we have the power of the Holy Spirit. The mandate has always been the same. Follow Jesus, take up your cross, preach the gospel, make disciples, love one another. That's what we'll continue to do as long as we have breath. And Jesus is coming 
back soon. Hey, maybe this year. Maybe this year. His return is imminent. We pray with the saints of generations past, come, Lord Jesus. But in the meantime, we're going to continue to help each other follow Jesus at home, in our city, and around the world. We're going to practice. We're going to train. We're going to prepare for whatever test comes our way, and the gates of hell will not overcome the church of Jesus Christ. Join me in prayer as the band comes. Stand with me as well, I, I, I ask, um, if you're able. And I don't think we actually scheduled a prayer ministry team today, but if you're a regular member of the prayer ministry team and, and you're available right now, would you just come up to the front and prepare uh, for anyone who would like to come and receive prayer? We're going to spend some time. We've got lots of time. We're going to sing a couple of songs of worship. But I want this to be a time of, of, for yourself of reflection, of remembering, and of reminding of how God has been faithful to you. Maybe 2022 was a really tough testing year, but you're here. You made it to 2023, and God is still with you. And we don't know what 2023 will bring as a church or as individuals, but let's just ask Jesus to pour out his spirit once again, to fill us with his power, to prepare us, to focus us, to enable us to trust in him for whatever comes our way. Father in heaven, we love you. We thank you for your faithfulness to us as individuals and as a church. We thank you for these reminders today of the things that you have revealed to us are important for our present and our future. And we just continue to put our trust in you. God, I pray that you would give us continued vision, continued hope, continued uh, life and health in our church, Lord God. Lord, we believe what Jesus said, that he's going to build his church and the gates of hell cannot overcome it. And so we're a part of that church. We're a part of that spiritual family, locally, Lord, but also connected to your church around the world. And we think of so many who suffer in difficult circumstances, who continue to be faithful and who continue to persevere. And Lord, that, let that inspire us as well. God, help us to cut out the distractions and the things that are unnecessary, to not be pressed into the rhythms of the world that lead to the fruit of the world. But Lord, help us to be intentional about following the rhythms of Jesus that lead to the fruit of your spirit who empowers us and prepares us for whatever comes. Lord, we just declare our trust in you for 2023 and dedicate this year to your glory knowing that your plans are good. Even in difficult circumstances, your plans for us are good. And we can find joy in whatever comes our way. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.